Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Texans play Indianapolis in week 18. Instead of draft implications this year, there's playoff implications. We're going to talk about that and more on this edition of The Bullpen. Hello and welcome to the bullpen. I am James Roy, and with me is Tom Chavaria. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited for this upcoming playoff type Texan game. And real quick, shout out to my co-host James. Find you a co-host that will get you some cool Texan swag for Christmas. Awesome gift. Had to rock it. Appreciate you, sir. Let's talk Texans football. Let's do it. And Tom also brought me a JJ Watt bobblehead from the game that he went to. Um, and I, I'm super stoked about that. I don't have it on me, but I'm excited to put that up in my my man cave-ish area that I've got going on in my house. So thank you for that. And Merry Christmas. We I don't think we really even touched on Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all the Texans fans out there. Let's talk Texans football. So this week, it's winter go home. The playoffs start next week, but really... The playoffs start this week for the Texans. The Texans play the Indianapolis Colts. There are zero scenarios where they lose and make the playoffs. It's impossible. They can tie and make the playoffs if some things fall the way that you know you would hope they would. But it's it's win or go home. So CJ Stroud commented on it in a press conference this week. He was asked if it's affecting how they're preparing and you know if the magnitude of the game is is changing the way the Texans do things. They already um, had a walkthrough on Tuesday. They don't really usually do that. Um, do you think that as a young team with a lot of core players being young guys that the, the pressure could be too much? Or do you think that this is like a motivational thing, knowing that like every game from here on out is win or go home? It's really going to be interesting to see how they respond. Obviously, a young team all coming together, young coaching staff, they could treat this as house money and go out there, play free and say, look, nobody had us here. We weren't expected to be any good. Here we are. The sky's the limit from here. Just go out and have fun. That aspect, or from what I've heard, you know, on on Twitter and certain things like that, they could be conducting it as business as usual. uh, Really locked in, really focused, really ready to embrace this moment and uh, play a good football game against the Colts. In that press conference, you talked about C.J. Stroud made made it very clear that this isn't the same team that faced off against the Colts in week two. This is night and day, and uh, it's definitely going to be a different outcome this time around, and I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see it too, and and I don't think there's a right way to approach it, right? I think 
that well, I, I take that back. There is a right way, but I don't think there's a cut and dry right way. Like the Texans aren't like, oh well, if we look at the blueprint, that you know, we have to approach this business as usual because that's what's going to work. There's the understanding that D'Amico has of the chemistry and and this locker room is going to affect it. If he thinks that business as usual is the way to handle this, then that's how he's going to handle it. And if he thinks that like trumping it up, creating that pressure for his team is 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 what's going to motivate them, then he'll do that. And I, if, from what I've gotten so far, it seems like it's just like, we're here, you know, on to next week, Indianapolis is the target, you know, that's what we're thinking about. And so I I will respect whatever D'Amico decides to do in that regard. Now, getting into this matchup, the Texans are playing the Colts. This was definitely a division rivalry, as is most of the AFC South at this point. Two young quarterbacks that are supposed to be playing each other. And then literally a quarter and a half into the first game, Anthony Richardson goes down, um, eventually goes out for the entire season. So this week, we're going to see the Colts. The Colts and Texans are two entirely different teams than they were when they faced off the first time. Um, and Gardner Minshew's been leading the Colts. They've they've performed surprisingly well, and I think that's the same thing for the Texans. Both teams have kind of played above their pay grade, and um, we're going to see who who's ready to play really above their pay grade and make the playoffs, and I think it's a fitting showdown. Um, do you think that – how different do you think these teams are going to this matchup, and how much do you think that – I guess, how worried are you about playing Gardner Minshew? I – I wouldn't say I'm terrified, but I'm whatever's just below terrified. Gardner Minshew has has just historically played really well against the Texans, whether it was when he was in Jacksonville or now in, in Indy. The guy's just always played us tough. And I think he was the perfect fit for Shane Steichen to be there back up, to be able to come right in to a system he's totally familiar with and do all the things. And I feel like with with Anthony Richardson going down in the first game, he really just had to kind of like wing it. Now he's had all season to kind of prepare and get ready to go for this game. Um, they've played really well. I think they've started to find their footing a little bit. They played a Las Vegas team that was also trying to look for a playoff uh, a route to the playoffs, and they beat them. It was a tight game, but but they went on the road in Las Vegas and got a dub. So I don't want to underestimate them at all. I, I think they're going to be a handful. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a problem. I think the passing game can also be a problem. I I mean, the Texans are going to have to play well to win this game. Yeah. And, and Jonathan Taylor is another piece that wasn't there the first time the Texans played. Um, but the, the, the running back that they played in his stead, Zach Moss, is really good. And so that, that that running back room, I think Zach Moss might be out, though. I'm pretty sure he's on a long-term injury right now. Um, but, but looking at the first matchup, so personally, I think um, if we look at Gardner Minshew's record against the Texans as a starter, it is 0-3, is I believe. I saw that somewhere. Someone They didn't state it that way, but that's what I believe they intended to say. Because um, Gardner Minshew, if we were counting all the games he's played against Texans, is 1-3 one, one because he did step in for Anthony Richardson and beat the Texans. Now, that being said, if we remember how that game went, Anthony Richardson ran for two touchdowns in the first stretch. And then Gardner Minshew came in and game managed. I don't want to say game managed may not be the right term. He came in and kept a steady ship. He he saw what the course was and he kept it up and he didn't make any mistakes. He played very steady football, put it, put another score up there and kind of put the Texans away for all intents and purposes. There was a point where the Texans were back in that game late, but for all intents and purposes, he just came in and, and took a ship that had already 
you know, found its way to, to clear waters and kind of kept it on course for all, you know, I, I'm going to use these Navy nautical references because that's, that's just what I know, I guess. Um, but so for me, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm worried about Gardner Minshew. I respect this matchup as a division rivalry. Um, I've told, I said many times on this podcast and you know where I stand on that, um, that division rivalries are any given Sunday. So it, I really, you, you can, we can talk in my opinion about all the skill levels and, and who we think's better, who we think's worse and, and the matchups. But at the end of the day, it's just, you know, a division rivalry where the team that, you know, one team is going to step up and take it. And I can't tell you for certain who I think that it is at this point. This is definitely a game. I think we both marked as like, oh, well, we lost the first time, but we'll get this one. And the Colts have shown to be, I think, a far better team than we could have imagined going into this season. And so even with Anthony Richardson going down, because um, honestly, based on how the schedule sh- shook out, I didn't see the Texans having to contend with anyone outside of the Jaguars for the division. So it is all, frankly, a little bit surprising. So it's just tough to see how this matchup's going to play out. But as far as the worry about Gardner Minshew, I, I agree with you. It's it's just a little bit below whatever worried is, you know, just uh, just take it down a notch. And I'm like, OK, I'm just a little bit worried. Now, looking at the Colts offensive weapons, we mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Are there any other weapons in that offense that you think the, the Texans defense should be focusing on, should be worried about? Well, luckily, T.Y. Hilton's not walking through that door because... <gasps> If you're, the death if you're of the a Texan Derrick Henry fan. 200 yard game and then <laughs> T.Y. Hilton leaving Indianapolis, two best things that ever happened to the Texans. There are two things that you fear as a Texan fan is Derrick Henry coming through that door and T.Y. Hilton coming through that door. <laughs> yeah. And uh, both of those guys have lit the Texans up for years. Michael Pittman is the next T.Y. Hilton. He's really, really talented. And then Josh Downs, another wide receiver, I think is also very, very talented. Those are the two guys that I have pinned as problems i'll say that alec pierce who was drafted by the colts to kind of be a deep threat um uh, the only reason he concerns me he had a 54 yard touchdown pass uh last week against the raiders i believe it was um and just looking at how Derek Stingley has had to cover for Jalen Petrie and how this safety group that we thought was one of the stronger and more firm positions on this defense has kind of cycled through players and um, and had trouble occasionally with the big play um, against certain offenses. I think Alec Pierce is a guy who kind of worries me. Um, but I, I mean, even looking at Jonathan Taylor, who he brought up, I mean, the Texans run defense has stepped up and shown so much this season that I don't want to say I'm not worried about him. It's just that it's always to me going to be the passing game that is more concerning when we're looking at the Texans defense, just based off of as good as the Texans have shown in the secondary with what they've had to work with throughout the season. Um, that's definitely, I'd say, the weaker point just relative to what we've seen them allow on the stat sheet. Um, and just watching the game, the the run defense has been more crisp, in my opinion. The run defense has been phenomenal. I can't I can't stress how much it's changed from seasons past, where the Texans were horrible at stopping the run. Everybody came in, and whether it was a uh, by committee or, or just one big back, where you pencil them in for a hundred yards rushing, and now you've seen week in and week out, teams have really struggled. Cleveland, for all the points that they scored, did not run the football well. Obviously, Tennessee didn't run the football well either time. So, I mean, for the last three weeks, they've done a really, really impressive job 
of shutting down running backs that have had success all season long. So Jonathan Taylor, we know him well. Uh, he's dynamic. He can, he can catch it out of the backfield. He doesn't have to be just a pure runner. So it's, it's definitely a concern. But in the same, in the same token, the linebackers have been so good. The, the front has been so good about really, really not ex- getting exposed for big chunk plays. I, I agree with you. And and we looked last week at injuries, right? So Blake Cashman returned, Will Anderson returned. Both players are on did not practice, um, kind of easing their way back in still. And I think they both played on limited snaps. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Will Anderson played 20 or less snaps against the um, the Titans last week and had still had back-to-back sacks and six QB pressures. Um, but looking at players that didn't play last week, we got you know Jonathan Grenard, um, I mean, how important do you think it is to get this team back healthy or how impactful do you think it will be? Or, or do you, I mean, obviously getting those players back would be helpful, but I mean, how important is it against a player like a Gardner Minshew who is, you know, not, not guaranteed a great performance. He's not one of the truly great quarterbacks in the league, but he's shown to be able to play, you know, at a level when he's allowed to. I think you saw in the Cleveland game the lack of a pass rush when uh, Grenard went down and then Will Anderson already being out, how easy it was for a quarterback to sit back there and kind of pick this defense apart for the Texans. So the availability of Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard, I think is probably the most important thing for this entire team. Uh, Obviously, there's injuries on the offensive side of the ball as well, which could really impact uh, their ability to move the ball. But more importantly than that, I think, is being able to generate a pass rush to get Indy behind the sticks to keep that offense from scoring points because their defense is very good. And I think with that zone look that they want to feature, they really want you to take all the time to get down the field and make it really hard for you to score touchdowns. Uh, there was a great uh, story, I guess, or, or clip from NFL Live where uh, Dan Olavsky, who's a huge C.J. Stroud fan, talked up about this matchup, how important C.J. Stroud is to this Texan team because he's going to be able to attack the zone that most quarterbacks really struggle with, being able to hit tight windows, being able to make special plays, extending plays. And he looked at C.J. Stroud as a difference maker for this team to be able to score touchdowns where other teams have only been able to score field goals. I, I agree 100% with what Orlovsky said from the offensive perspective. Now, I, I think you kind of hinted at it, but my next question was going to be, from the defensive perspective for the Texans, what do you think are the key the keys to victory, if you will? It's really just about the pass rush. I think that secondary goes as the pass rush goes. When you're able to create the pressure that Will Anderson and Jonathan Grenard can, it speeds up that internal clock for Gardner Minshew to make mistakes Miss, uh, miss targets, not go through his progressions. And um, it's, it's really, I mean, you saw it last week, the turnover, the, the strip sack, the, the, the strip stack, fumble, touchdown, really kind of put that game out of reach. So if the Texans are able to get something like that, a game-changing turnover, um, you know, safety, you name it, uh, any one of those things could be the difference in a game like this. Yeah, I, I agree. Your keys to victory kind of feed into mine. I mean, the pass rush is vital to forcing mistakes. I think my key is is definitely turnovers. 
Um, when this defense has been able to force other teams to make mistakes and get the ball back for the offense, it's been incredibly helpful. Um, it's been especially helpful when CJ Stroud was not available. Um, it's kind of what gave them the game against the Titans the first time, the first go around. Um, and so I think that uh, combined with the pass rush, I think that while there are a lot of people that doubt the, myself included, that don't don't like to talk about or doubt the um, the sec the you know next gen stats of you know the meters per second away from the quarterback at time of throw or however you want to say it um, that, those things the pressure that's put on the quarterback affect decision making and, and make a huge difference even if it doesn't result in a sack and we we've started to see recently the pro the fruits of that pressure show up on the the stat sheet with some sacks in recent games. Um, now looking to the offensive side of the ball for the Texans, um, obviously CJ Stroud is a huge key. Um, what do you think relative to the matchup with the Colts defense is going to make the biggest difference outside of CJ Stroud for this offense? With potentially the limited availability of some key members of the receiver group, like, um, Noah Brown and Robert Woods, I think Devin Singletary in the pass game is going to be huge. Obviously, if he can run the ball, if they can run the ball effectively, that's going to be critical as well. But to be able to use him in the screen game to have little check downs to him or, or, or Dalton Schultz, I think that's going to be something, especially attacking that zone that's going to be available. And if, and if they can exploit it, a chance to really, um, make something out of, a, out of, a, out of the defensive front that they're seeing where I think if they're trying to press the ball down the field where we're accustomed to them doing, it's going to be really difficult because that zone really doesn't, doesn't allow for it. Obviously you can, you know, if you can, you can scheme for it, but I think those, those kind of plays, the check downs to, to Schultz and, and Singletary are going to be there. And if they can use those effectively, potentially play action could open up some other things as well. I, I agree with you, and I'll go a step further to say that this, this Texans offense has relied very heavily on explosive plays to make the difference down the stretch. And so it's about, with that zone, creating explosive plays that don't require the ball to be pushed down the field. So those, like you said, those screens, those those passes behind the line are short, where you, you set up the receiver to, uh, you, like a Dalton Schultz, like a, a Devin Singletary, Damian Pierce, to, to get into the open field and generate those 15, 20 yard plays where the blocking is just there or there's just the, that gap that they need to make it work. I'll also say that Brevin Jordan has shown up in recent games and throughout the season he's had spurts where it was like, oh yeah, this is this is the Brevin Jordan that everyone on Twitter made me believe existed when he was drafted. This is the guy, a receiving tight end who's, you know, just capable of getting it done. That touchdown last week, I mean, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was expect, he stepped up and played a lot heavier role with Andrew Beck out. Um, and so that, that's that been incredible to see. Um, and it's also nice to see him step up just from the perspective of, of wanting the tight end one and two position to be solidified for next year with the re-signing, if, if they do, the re-signing of uh, Dalton Schultz and keeping Brevin Jordan in the building and having that one-two punch that that is so vital from the tight end position. Now, looking to, to C.J. Stroud's plight, you brought it up, the zone scheme. Um, a lot of times, Slowick relies on these two receiver routes. 
Um, with Tank Dell out for the season, Nico Collins has had his step up. And but you you brought up a good point. Uh, Robert Woods and Noah Brown may or may or may not play. And we we've had just so many. I feel like we've had this conversation before. But it, it comes down to this: John Mechie and and Xavier Hutchinson are the next men up in that situation. Do you, if there was ever the right time for one of those guys to finally have like that game that that we've wanted from them, that we've needed from them, Xavier Hutchinson being Brock Purdy's wide receiver one at Iowa State, having had a, a couple thousand yard seasons at the collegiate level, and and having shown wide receiver one ability at that level, and just having not shown it at the next level with just except for in little spurts. John Mechie, who seems like is still coming back from from all that, that has surrounded his early parts of his career. Um, I mean, I, I hate to ask it again, but like who who of those two do you think is the one to finally step up if either of them? I feel like if I have to choose one of them, it's got to be Xavier Hutchinson for me. While I do like what I think John Mechie could be Further on down the line, I just don't know that the Texans feel he's ready for that sort of workload. You just don't see him get enough reps. You just don't see him get enough snaps. Where Hutchinson, they've like tried to give him that Debo Samuel look. He's run the jet sweep a little bit. You know, they've had him in a couple different pass plays. I really feel like Hutchinson could be that guy. It's just they've had other guys that were more seasoned, more veteran, and they're trying to bring him on a little slow. And um, I, I like his prospects going forward. I just don't know if this season, you know, Hutchinson is going to be asked to do that much. We'll see. I mean, if those, if both of those guys are out, those guys aren't going to have a choice. They, they're, they are the next men up for sure. I hope that maybe it's just one of them that's asked to step into a larger role and we get Noah Brown or we get Robert Woods. And that way, at least CJ's got some rapport with some of those guys because I don't feel they have the connection that, you know, any of the other receivers do like like they should. You know what I mean? It's definitely not Nico. It's definitely not Tank. It's definitely not uh, Noah Brown-esque with the younger guys. I, I have to agree with you. And I th- and to be clear, I think that but I love John Mechie. I'm not ready to give up on him just because he hasn't shown up this season in the way that Texans fans probably wanted him to. Um, I definitely think that there's a little more grace with Xavier Hutchinson due to the fact that this is his rookie season. And I definitely see a higher ceiling on Xavier Hutchinson at the moment. Um, but that's not to say that. I mean, Mechie has played high-level great football. He, he has been that guy... In, in so many ways prior to now and and I can't count him out for a lot of reasons you know not you know the least of which being the fact that he literally fought cancer last year and beat it and came back and has been fighting a leg injury like there's just so many reasons to believe that there's there's a little bit more grace to be given there he's a rookie on a rookie contract so like it's not like I'm ready to eject you know jettison him from the team because he hasn't exactly shown up in the way that you would hope a second round pick wide receiver would be by the way really funny to hear that the commentators call John Mechie a first round pick during the Titans uh Texans game in case you missed that um, imagine if the Texans, if the Texans spent a first round pick on him, there's some people that would be incredibly insensitive to his entire plate just because of his draft position. But, you know, thank God he's a second round pick. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think that Xavier Hutchinson's the, the guy to step up. He's shown a little more this season. And I think that his, his gadget, you know, kind of Swiss army knife use in the offense, 
um, gives him a little more opportunity to show up, whether it's in the run game or in the pass game. Um, and and personally, I just really like to see him show up. I really liked that pick in the sixth round. I think he's a steal if he lives up to his potential. So him and, and Henry Toa Toa have been two guys that I was like, you know, if if they can live up to the potential they have, that's those are guys that should have gone way earlier in the draft that definitely um, Toa Toa to some extent has shown at least flashes of, of the potential the Texans believe he has throughout the season due to having the opportunity to step up but Hutchinson has yet to to quite show that when he has um, been given those opportunities. Um, but at this point, you know, uh, do you have any any more comments to make on the the matchup on the field between the Texans and the Colts before we kind of get into our uh, our prediction mode? I'll be very interested to see like the 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 chess game between the two head coaches. Obviously, Indy looked so much better than the Texans week two. Um, I would like to see D'Amico kind of like fire back a little bit. You know what I mean? I'd like to see Indy try to figure out what 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 Houston's doing and and struggle with it that that way. Um, I think I think it's going to be a great game. I, uh, Saturday can't get here soon enough, and uh, I hope the Texans come out on top. I I agree with you, and and to speak to the coaching matchup, as much as I love D'Amico, and I believe he is definitely deserving of consideration for Coach of the Year, um, Shane Steichen is one of those coaches due to what he's done with the Colts. I think him, Kevin Stefanski, and uh, and Dan Campbell made it make it really hard to make D'Amico the consensus candidate for that award. So um, this is a big moment in that discussion. Not not that any of that matters. You and me both know that what matters here is getting the win and getting into the playoffs. But it, as far as that discussion goes, I think it would go a long way to see D'Amico out coach Steichen here in this matchup and, and take away that first year playoff berth and give it to the Texans. So I'm excited to see that. Now, onward and upward, into our prediction mode. Um, I remember not too long ago after the Texans played the Bengals, you and I both said it's going to be really hard to not pick the Texans to win um, going through the rest of the schedule because of how easy it, it appeared to be. And I think in some ways we both really heavily disregarded the Jets defense, the Browns defense when we said that. But, you know, those are both games we felt like they could be in based off of what we knew at the time, there were some injuries that happened that definitely didn't help us out along the way. But going into this matchup, I'm interested to see if how I, I this is going to be my barometer for how concerned you are with or how how much you respect the Colts as as a team going into this week 18 matchup. So I'm interested to see Tom, who do you think is going to win? What's your score prediction? Well, I haven't gone against the Texans and I'm not going to start now. So uh, definitely picking the Texans to win this game. Um, I feel like on paper, it's it's for me. I, I love the young talent versus you know the 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 game managing grizzled vet. I love what CJ Stroud can do. I think he's the best player in this game, and that's why I'm picking the Texans. I do think it'll be incredibly co- uh, close. I feel like it's a 27-24 game. I feel like. Gardner's going to have a chance to tie this game and the defense is going to make a play. I'm not going to steal your storybook ending, but that's just how how I see this thing playing out. I feel like both teams are going to be able to score points. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Texans defense absolutely dominates and it's one-sided and we're, you know, coasting to victory. We just haven't had that all season, so why are we going to get it now? Everything's been nail-biter. 
when it needed to be nail biter, minus the Titans game, minus the the Browns game. So I definitely feel this is going to be a nail biter. And if you take blood pressure medicine, go ahead and get it in early. Double down so on it this week. Double whatever you double need to down do. Double down on it. Whatever your dose is, tell the doctor <laughs> to triple it. Jeez. Because this, uh, be, this is going to be tense. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with you 100% that this, this, this is going to be a close matchup. Um, and I, as much as I'd love to see it, and I really love to see the Texans just make us look really dumb, I'd like to save this segment of the podcast and post it on Twitter after the game and be like, look how dumb these two guys looked talking about this matchup after the Texans beat the Colts 42 to three. Um, but I don't, I, you know, I'm going to say what I legitimately think right now, which is that I agree with you. You said 27, 24, I'm going with 23 to 20. Um, I just think that in a matchup like this, as much as I believe in CJ Stroud to produce offense, I think it's been proven time and again, that this team's kind of, I don't want to say unevenness or, you know, just, you know, in and out, depending on what point in the game we're at. Um, I think that this very well could be a a case where the Texans kind of, you know, jump up and then the Colts make it make it a good matchup. And then it's kind of like back and forth till the end. Um, and that that brings us into the story time. Um, and spoiler alert, Kaimi Fairbairn is going to have a major role in this story time. So. Let's do it. The Texans is this are not only a team. so you can tweet out his entire name after this game? Is oh, one hundred percent. No, that- <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm not. I'm going to leave that to Patrick Storm. That's his bit. I, you know, maybe I might. I might do it. I'll just like you know in the thread. I'll put like tweet credit Patrick Storm for for his bit. Um, no, but I. I mean, I just have a firm belief that Kaimi Fairbairn is always a key part of a Texans victory whenever the game is close. You can, there's very few games this season where we we can say, oh yeah, Kaimi Fairbairn was like not included in this in some way. So, you know, obviously the Bucks game is one of those games. Um, but getting into the storybook ending, it's going back and forth. The Texans have, have not closed the door as many opportunities as they've had. Um, it's been a back and forth game. The Texans... Um, we're up 14 to 13, and they drove down red zone throughout the second half, kicked two red zone field goals. It's 20 to 20 to 13, and the Colts have the ball, uh, you know, about two and a half, three minutes left in the game. Gardner Minshew engineers what is probably one of the most impressive drives of the entire season, and C.J. Stroud is left with 30 seconds and a dream with the game tied at 20 to 20. And the you know from the looks of first play is is a run play. The Texans have a couple timeouts. They're like I, I, the Texans aren't taking this seriously. Bobby Slowick does not know what he's doing. But then through a string of about three or four just excellent passes, C.J. Stroud takes the Texans from what is their own twenty yard line due to a bad kickoff return um, to about the I don't know thirty seven yard line. And, and sets the Texans up with two seconds left after having 30 seconds left. They had a timeout. They, I don't know why they wasted it on a play from Devin Singletary, but either way, that's a question we'll, we'll never know the answer to because Kaimi Fairbairn sets up on what is approximately, I want to say that's a 54-yard, 55-yard field goal um, somewhere in the neighborhood. It's been a while since I played Madden, so I, I don't have that memorized at the moment. Um, it's a mid-50s field goal. Um, but that's nothing for Kaimi Fairbairn. He is, um, 
the man, the myth, the 10th most accurate kicker in NFL history. And um, he has the accuracy. And unlike Matt Amendola against the Jaguars, um, he has the leg to, to make that field goal. But instead of tying it, he wins the game. The Texans go home with the dub 23-20. to And I think personally, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is probably the most realistic uh, storybook ending that I've written all year. Because every other one of them requires some weird fan. It's like fan fiction levels of like this player, the fan base really likes scores a touchdown. Um, please let Xavier Hutchinson be it or something like that. Some player who's never scored a touchdown this season is going to score a touchdown. And so this to me is my most realistic work. But I don't know, Tom, what do you think? I think you immediately lost me on the run play with 30 seconds left from the 20. Like, like. If that happens, I, you know, I, honestly, I'm caught up on the Texas Washington ending where they like threw that check down in the backfield with 15 seconds. So that's where I'm I'm sourcing that from. Just some dumb play call, and then Bobby Slowick will come into the press conference like and get asked about it, and he'll be like, "Well, the play was deeper down the field, but or or well, we we thought we had a matchup on the line, and we we tossed it out, and we thought Devin would get us 10 yards and get out of bounds, and we ended up having to waste timeout." Uh, some some something dumb like that. I don't know. Now, if you told me it was play action and he checked the Singletary and Singletary runs for 15 yards and gets out of bounds, I'm like, absolutely, that's great. I'll if accept that play- rewrite. I'll accept that rewrite. That's more realistic. <laughs> so now, now with that rewrite, now I'm taking co- contributions from my co-host for the storybook ending, which is sensible. Um, that is my most realistic storybook ending. Mine featuring Tom Chavaria. You get credits on that storybook ending. <laughs> I I hope it's not how it goes, because that is definitely going to be high stress, high tension all the way. Go ahead and quadruple your blood pressure meds for this one. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching it in the air, and my heart stops like four separate times while I'm watching. The, I'm like, oh, it's like just squeaks right inside the right upright. But that's not that's not part of the storybook ending because Kaimi Fairbairn's, uh, uh, you know dead center kind of guy he, he likes to make us not stress about it so we'll see how it goes but i i like i like that ending because the texans win i don't like it from the stress perspective now with that being said tom do you have any final thoughts about this matchup before we bring this episode to a close the one thought that i have that just blows my mind has nothing to do with this matchup as much as it does with colin cowherd and his show, The Herd, and how he he talked about the Texans. Credit to the the 790 morning guys, uh, Sean Salisbury, uh, Brian Lalima. They called him out. I didn't see it. I don't I don't watch enough ESPN. But Colin Cowherd gets in front of national media and talks about the Texans as a playoff team, which we love because they're not, but they could be. And it's like, man, they've got weapons. They've got Tank Dell and and Nico Collins. Tank Dell's been out for about a month. So for him to make that claim as one of their weapons is just so bad. And um, Colin Coward is a non-ball-knowing, uh, money-loving <laughs> guy who will talk sports for the sake of receiving a paycheck. But from what I've noticed from him, 
He's very wishy-washy. I mean, during the draft, immediately after the Texans drafted Stroud, he was like, you know, the Texans are betting on Stroud, and it's not that bad of a bet. And then early in the the preseason, he changes his mind to C.J. Stroud's a mistake. The Texans should draft Caleb Williams next year, even though they just drafted a quarterback number two overall. And just throughout the season, his opinion changes like the weather. It's just whatever he thinks is going to get people to click on his stuff, and I, I don't have a whole lot of respect for it. But that being said, if he says something positive about the Texans, I will copy and paste it into a video to to make the Texans look good. But if he says something bad about them, it's because he's wishy-washy and, and awful. So, But I know 100% in my heart that he just is not someone who's interested in saying he doesn't care about his own opinion. He just cares about the money he makes from getting people's attention. So I don't I – don't, I take what he says with a grain of salt. But and, on that note – Yeah, same, same. <laughs> You're like, hey, I agree with that really obnoxious take. It's okay. It's okay. Um, on that note, thanks for listening. Um, I mean, we'll see you on Monday, and we'll either be talking about um, this matchup, and then we'll talk about the Texans playoff matchup next Friday, or um, we'll be talking about rolling into the offseason. I guess we'll find out then. But either way, it's been an incredible regular season, our first regular season hosting this podcast. And we appreciate any support that we've received. We uh, we hope to, that you continue to support us as we uh, go into round two, season two of this um, this journey of, of talking about the Texans. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Um, if you would like to find me on social media, I'm James Roy. You can find me at M1TexansFan on Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, whatever whatever you use. I'm probably there. And that's also that handle is how you can find the bullpen on YouTube if you're not watching it and you're listening. And if you are watching it, you can listen to it on Spotify and Apple Music. Um, Tom is at Third Coast Tom on X which is what he refers to. You could, you heard me call it Twitter a second ago, but Tom likes to call it X because he's hip, young, and and you know his his he's just a really down to earth guy. Um, no, Tom calls it Twitter too. But um, if you want to hear what he has to say on the Texans, which I know you do because you're listening to him say it for the past you know 30, 40 minutes, um, then you can find him on X. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, stay classy, Houston, and until next time. Vamos Texans. Thanks for tuning into The Bullpen, a Texans podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Please like, comment, subscribe, and follow along for more Texans talk from The Bullpen.